Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We're headed to the home stretch of football season and basketball is in full swing. And BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the action this year. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Oh yeah, everybody, welcome to the memes of the weekend here on the Take It Easy podcast, which is here on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome in, everybody. It is NFL Week 13 and the end of college football season. We're going to do a fun thing with that later on in the podcast where I'm going to have For the first time, live on the podcast, I'm going to look at all of the college football bowl games this year and just like find the funny in all of it because I think this is going to be a quite enjoyable exercise because I only know about four of the bowl games and the rest of them are going to be a delightful fun thing. I also know, shout out to our boy Blake Jude from a podcast that I said five weeks ago, I said, no matter what happens to Kentucky, this is when they were undefeated and about to play Georgia. They were going to play in a bowl game against Iowa, and lo and behold, they're playing in the goddamn Citrus Bowl against Iowa. So congratulations to you SOBs over at Kentucky. You did get to play Iowa. I called it five weeks ago. Fun victory there. We'll do that at the end of the podcast. We're going to start off with the way we normally kick off memes of the weekend, which is what was the funniest thing that happened this week? And for the second week in a row, it's weird how this keeps working out. We have the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles have been quite a meme this year. Quite confounding meme, but also a meme this year. Why? This time, for totally different reasons than last week, which last week we were making fun of just how terrible the Philadelphia Eagles were. This time, it's all about Gardner, Mother, Bleepin, Minshew Mania. Gardner Minshew Mania is back, baby. And... Also, Jared Goff could be in this mix as well, so I can combine the two here to just marvel at the fact that, and this is true, Gardner Minshew and Jared Goff in the first half of their games this week were a combined 28 for 32, throwing for 372 passing yards and four touchdowns, no interceptions, both of them having a perfect 158.3 passer rating in the first half of their games. Gardner Minshew and Jared Goff. We already talked about the Lions winning this week. Both of them just played ridiculously stupid good. It happens every now and then. On the flip side, you had Mike Glennon this week doing the thing that I think every backup quarterback in the NFL is possibly capable of doing, which is 11 for 14, 90 yards, and an interception. I think every backup quarterback in the NFL can achieve that. Gardner Minshew and Jared Goff are what we would call backup quarterbacks in the NFL. Jared Goff might be a fringe starter in fairness to him. But Gardner Minshew, he's a pretty damn good backup. 20 of 25, 242 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, didn't even have to throw the ball in the second half. Why? 
because the Philadelphia Eagles ran the ball a whopping 41 times on the New York Jets. They got that lead early in the game, and they said, to hell with it. We are just going to run the ball all the way through. Minshew, you've already done enough. Let's just not mess this up more. Gardner Minshew, I think, is at this point the king of the first introductions, because take it back to 2019 when Minshew Mania first began. Nick Foles got hurt, came in in week one, had a crazy game in week three against the Titans in the classic Titans-Jags Thursday night football game. He went berserk and destroyed Tennessee, a Tennessee team that would go on to make the AFC championship game that year. Gardner Minshew dominated that game. They went 5-11. and It was the end of the Jaguars as we knew it. It's fine. What did he do in 2020 when they, for some reason, brought him back to tank the same way the Jets brought in Gardner, or the Jets brought in Mike White to tank, or the way that the Lions brought in Jared Goff to tank. Gardner Minshew started out completing 95% of his passes, 24 of 25 against the Indianapolis Colts to win the Week One game. Didn't win another start the rest of the season. Comes in this year, says I hate being the second string. Gets traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. We forget about Gardner Minshew for a while. He's technically the third stringer on the Philadelphia Eagles until the Eagles traded Joe Flacco to the Jets for a sixth-round pick the week before Mike White dominated the Cincinnati Bengals and made them realize, ah, crap. We just gave up a sixth-round pick for Joe Flacco. So anyways, Gardner Minshew's now the backup. Jalen Hurts gets hurt. Gardner Minshew comes in, destroys the New York Jets. On the way to my 4-0 and start to the week in Pick'em Pool, the Eagles killed the New York Jets, and Gardner Minshew killed it today because Gardner Minshew is back in our lives bringing that sweet, sweet content. And this is the thing. We find these cult-type heroes that the internet falls in love with for whatever their weird reasons might be. I think Alex Caruso's reason is just that Alex Caruso is white, bald, and looks like a 30-year-old man, even or sorry, a 39-year-old with two kids, even though Alex Caruso is 25 years old. I think similar reasons why everyone falls in love with Hunter Renfro on the internet, the wide receiver at the with the Raiders who used to be at Clemson and uh, was at Clemson since 1941, played 78 seasons at Clemson. <laughs> Hunter Renfro transferred there after the war and played 70 plus seasons at Clemson. He looks like he's 45 years old and has two high school kids and Gardner and uh, Hunter Renfro is, I believe, also 25 years old. Again, cult following on the internet. Mike White developed that cult following this year where everyone starts calling Mike White the goat. It's basically what the uh, the old kids, and again, if we, we do have a younger demographic here. We do have some 13, 14, 15 year olds here tuning into the podcast, in which case, I do have to do this right now, fuck, you shouldn't repeat that word ever, but had to do that for our children in the audience. Some of you may or may not know the original internet meme of Brian Scalabrini, because Brian Scalabrini was this white ginger guy who played for the Boston Celtics, played on the bench the whole time during that championship run in 2008. Everyone started calling him the GOAT because he had this one press conference where he's like, five years from now, I'll tell my kids that I played on the championship Celtics. In 10 years from now, I'll tell them I started. In 20 years from now, I'll tell them I was the best player on the Celtics team. And then everyone turned him into the GOAT because if you just keep escalating that further, Brian Scalabrini's the best basketball player ever. And he translated that into working for NBC Sports Boston, and he's in the Big Three League. He was one of the captains of the Big Three League, and 
yeah, Brian Scalabrini just kind of like translated his internet fame into still having a career in basketball. All of that to say, there's this weird cult following that the internet develops around certain players, and Gardner Minshew is one of those people. Nick Foles, the person he replaced, was one of those people. I think Nick Foles is probably still in that camp to a certain extent. Is uh, Nick Foles is easy to figure out. He was the Super Bowl MVP in something that will still make no sense 20 years from now. It makes sense because he had the greatest offensive line in the history of the NFL, but it just makes no sense that they dominated that. I mean, that he won Super Bowl MVP and was legitimately worthy of it. Like, again, Nick Foles has that cult following on the internet. Gardner Minshew's going to be that for years and years as he continues to be a backup quarterback in the NFL. I made the joke when he got traded to the Eagles that this was the beginning of Gardner Minshew being a backup in nine different places for 11 seasons. Um, if you know the story of Gardner Minshew, he was the quarterback, in, I believe, at East Carolina, and he was transferring after his senior season. So he was a redshirt freshman, and he had one year of eligibility left. And what he was originally going to do was that he was going to transfer to Alabama and be the third-string quarterback behind Jalen Hurts and Tua Tagovailoa, and then transition into a coaching job as a graduate assistant after that season that he would never play for Alabama, but he would be in the quarterback room working as a de facto coach. This would be the beginning of guard. This would be his foot in the door moment. And then when uh, I believe Tyler Halinski, it's either Tyler or Ryan, one's playing at Northwestern, the other brother uh, committed suicide at Washington State, that opened up a quarterback job there, which seems kind of like hardcore in like being just cold blooded. There's obviously the real tragedy behind that, but that's the situation that ends up happening is in that tragedy, there opens up a quarterback job at Wazoo. Gardner Minshew transfers in for one season. He plays really well that year with Mike Leach in the air raid. They end up winning 10 games, go to the Alamo bowl, gets drafted in the sixth round out of that one season. They're like, you know, becomes a cult following figure because he has a funny mustache and he wears tank tops and then gets drafted by the Jaguars. And just by chance, the Jaguars happen to be the worst quarterback situation in the NFL. Nick Foles gets hurt. He's essentially the backup. He gets two years as the starter of the Jaguars while they play worse football than anyone in the NFL. Jaguars during that stretch with Minshew finished, I believe, six and 26. So playing like the worst football in the NFL of any team over a two-year stretch. And the Jets had him basically as a backup quarterback to just fill the gap there. Obviously, we know that the, I'm sorry, I said Jets. Jaguars had him as that stopgap guy. And now he gets a 10-year career out of it because we've seen Gardner Minshew start in the NFL and win games as a starter in the NFL like we saw for Philadelphia here. And there's just a shortage of backup quarterbacks in the NFL because there aren't enough good quarterbacks in the NFL. There's really only like 21 at this point legitimate starters in the NFL. Some of them who get to be starters because you have to fill 32 jobs, but no one's excited when Teddy Bridgewater is their starting quarterback. No one's excited when Jared Goff is their starting quarterback. Eagles fans will pretend they're happy that Jalen Hurts is their starting quarterback, but you can do so much better than Jalen Hurts. There's such a shortage of great starting quarterbacks that on the flip side, there's a vacuum for backup quarterbacks that can come in and keep things afloat similarly to what Nick Foles happened to do around maybe the greatest offensive line ever. 
And so even if the Eagles aren't a great team, there's still a role for Gardner Minshew, and Gardner Minshew can still beat up inferior teams like the New York Jets every now and then. Can he do it every single week? No, because if he would do it every single week, he'd be making $80 million quarterbacking some average team in the NFL. But it's still going to produce fun content when he does the things well because he's one of these internet cult-following figures. And it's cool that that's a thing that we get to have. Minshew mania is always going to be fun. It's a moment in time. It's a small storyline of the soap opera drama in the NFL that, you know, captivates us with storylines even on bad teams like the Philadelphia Eagles. I know the Eagles are technically a half game out of the playoffs, but they're a bad team. You can get these captivating stories, and it's why I picked the Eagles to win at minus five. Why? Because the difference between Jalen Hurts and... And Gardner Minshew, not really that significant. Did I think Gardner Minshew would have 134 passer rating today? No, I did not. But on the flip side of that, the difference between those quarterbacks at that stage is not very significant because there just aren't that many great quarterbacks. And it's why the magical story of Gardner Minshew delays his coaching job and his coaching life by about 10 years. Because I imagine Gardner Minshew will be a fantastic coach once he finishes playing he'll probably end up making it to becoming a head coach. Matt Nagy did that. Doug Peterson did that. Cliff Kingsbury did that. They were backup quarterbacks in the league for about four or five years, turned it into becoming head coaches. Gardner Minshew might be the next step along that line once he's done playing football in about a decade, playing for eight or nine different teams as a backup quarterback. So welcome back, Minshew Mania. You made my Sunday. You and Jared Goff both made my Sunday as backup quarterbacks putting up stupid numbers, and making everyone pause to think that you're good, when in reality, this just happens. And if you don't think that this just doesn't happen to normal quarterbacks, I give you proof of Gardner Minshew doing it for three consecutive seasons and blessing us and the internet cult following he has with joyous, beautiful content. New sponsor alert here on the Take It Easy podcast. It is Lightbox Jewelry. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, Lightbox Jewelry has cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds that you can find at a light price of just $800 per carat. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox Diamonds. Never a dull moment. It's time for the five little things here on the Memes of the Weekend podcast. Every week we find little funny things that the internet finds humorous. I like to share them here. Some are short, some are long, some are medium. But we call them five little things all bunched together here on the Memes of the Weekend podcast. So here we go. One. Let's talk about Washington and Las Vegas. Why are we talking about Washington and Las Vegas? Because we have to talk about every single game that happened on Sunday here on the Take It Easy podcast, NFL Monday and Memes of the Weekend pods. It is a commitment that we made years ago, and by golly, we're going to keep that commitment rolling. Uh, But this game was really, really boring. It is uh, the sphere that the Broncos and Raiders live in, which is that the Broncos and Raiders are often the fourth game of four in an afternoon window. 
Usually said afternoon window has a game of important consequence because it'll be America's game of the week or the CBS game of the week that will be put at 425 and matter a lot. And then sometimes you have a 405 start time on the East Coast, usually on the other network. Most of it won't be on television and it occupies a team on the West Coast that does not matter at all, but they're playing a home game and so they got to put it on the four o'clock start time. This used to be the Arizona Cardinals for years, that the Arizona Cardinals, often playing the 49ers, but the Arizona Cardinals would always be the fourth game out of four in the afternoon window, but they've been pretty good this year, so falling into this is very much a Denver Broncos game at 4.05 at Mile High Stadium, and a 4.05 Raiders game at Allegiant Stadium, usually against a sub-500 team, while the Raiders themselves are also sub-500. It's a game that really doesn't matter. This was that game this week. It was 7-6 to six at the end of the third quarter. Just both teams playing terrible. There was one moment where Carr throws a pass to, I believe it was either Foster Moreau or Fabian. No, Fabian Moreau is on the Falcons. Foster Moreau is the tight end he throws it up for, and he catches it. And then the Washington defender, it might be Bobby McCain, but the Washington defender kind of like knocks it away as Moreau is trying to bring it in. And that's just a classic one where I'm like, that's a play for Darren Waller. And Darren Waller makes that catch. And the Raiders probably score on that drive. But they had Foster Moreau instead because Darren Waller was out for this game. And without Darren Waller, that Raiders offense looked broken. And uh, the game ended up being interesting at the end. You had Washington score a touchdown, Raiders score a touchdown, missed the two-point conversion. Raiders went got the ball back with like two minutes to go. They scored Taylor Heineke for a second, looked like he was going to lead a game-winning drive, which he did. Kicked the go-ahead field goal with 30 seconds left with a brand new kicker whose name I don't remember, but good job for that kicker, 17-15. to And that's when Derek Carr entered purgatory, uh, Kirk Cousins' purgatory. And he threw up a Hail Mary, and it didn't complete and they threw up another Hail Mary, and it didn't complete. They actually threw two Hail Marys on this drive. One of them was just trying to draw a pass interference call. And uh, not great not great offensive game planning because the first Hail Mary took like 10 seconds off the clock. In fairness, trying to play for the P.I. is actually kind of an interesting strategy, but not the greatest in that situation. And the Raiders ended up losing because they had 30 seconds left on the clock. All they needed was a field goal. They got two completions after throwing the first Hail Mary incomplete, but it just killed 10 seconds off the clock. So they only had 20 seconds to execute the next two plays with one timeout. They did it, but they couldn't get into field goal range in time to throw up the last Hail Mary. So tough break for Raider Nation this week. Two, I would like to point out two funny things that happened during the SEC championship game for the Georgia Bulldogs. First of all, Stenson Bennett took a snap directly off of his face and then fell backwards as if the momentum of the ball hitting his face was so disorienting that he fell over. It was quite fantastic. I encourage everyone to try and find this video. And two, social media team for the Georgia Bulldogs posting a video before the game of Ugga, the cute little bulldog mascot that Georgia has. Uh, walking on the field before the game with, uh, I guess, a carrier or something. He get, During the games, he gets his little doghouse on the sidelines, and he gets to hang out. But in this situation, Ugga was walking on the field in a video, and very clearly, Ugga is taking a piss on the 12-yard line of the artificial field, 
at the SEC championship game in Atlanta. And so for the rest of the two games, I just kept thinking, who's going to be the player who does a dive bomb right through that little spot that Ugga took a piss on around the 12-yard line of the right end zone? Who's going to be the player who just like dives for a long pass and then just slip and slides right through Ugga's piss? Not just at the SEC championship game, but also at the Buccaneers-Falcons game the very next day because I imagine they did not have the time to clean the artificial field in the event that Ugga's piss is still sitting there. I would love to see Chris Godwin just making a diving or Gronk just stumbling forward and just face planting directly into the piss. I think that would be the the most meme fantastic version is Gronk tripping and stumbling like the polar bear they train to catch footballs that's now losing lug nuts because his body has been stitched together over and over just stumbling like he did on the Kenyon Drake Hail Mary right into just a face full of dog piss courtesy of Georgia's beloved mascot. Three, I could just put out the Baylor and Oklahoma State final play where Oklahoma State dives for the goal line. We talked about this on on Sunday a little bit where Oklahoma State's running back dives for the goal line and ends up like about four inches short. Like I can make the 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 I can make this the sign with my hands of just how close he was about four yards short. And what ends up happening afterwards is they cut to a camera of Dave Aranda, the Baylor coach who just lost out on both the Oklahoma and Miami head coaching jobs in the last week after inheriting the team from Matt Rule, winning, I believe, one game during the pandemic and then winning a Big 12 championship the very next year because that's how Baylor football works. Uh, Dave Aranda, after he is found short, having literally no no facial reaction at all to winning the Big 12 championship because clearly he's short. He didn't knock over the pylon. Dave Aranda just has no reaction to winning the Big 12 championship. Just stone-faced, stands up, nothing. Just no change to his facial reaction. You could Google that one on Twitter too. It's absolutely fan-flippin-tastic. Four. I don't know how many of y'all were watching the the Ravens-Steelers broadcast, but if I had a damn dollar for every time Tony Romo talked about how this was a must-win game, a season-on-the-line game for the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, it would have been a nice little chunk of change that we made courtesy of our friends over at Bet Online Sportsbook because whew, Tony Romo really, really wanted to drive... Tony Romo showed up to work today and wanted to drive home the point that this is a must-must-win game for the for the Pittsburgh Steelers and he really wanted to make sure everyone knew it uh Tony Romo kept saying must win game if they don't win this one I don't see their path to the to the playoffs this year they might not get above 500 for the first time in 20 years Pittsburgh needs this one when they got to the two-point conversion he's like season on the line one play Pittsburgh and then Mark Andrews, literally by about an inch, an inch on his fingertip, ends up not getting it, and he celebrates how, Ben Roethlisberger, you've still got a chance. 
it was quite obnoxious. And I, the whole way, I'm just like, okay, Tony, you showed up to work. Like, this is premeditated on your part. You really wanted to drive home the point that you, you know the strength of schedule for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the playoff format in the AFC. If they don't win this one, there's not much of a chance for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you really drove that point home today, and it was quite funny and annoying at the same time. Five. Uh, The Broncos' offense uh, cannot score points. They are simply incapable of scoring points. Uh, The moment I would like to talk about, though, was at the very end of the game where the Denver Broncos, with down 16-3 in the fourth quarter against the Chiefs on Sunday night, had a fourth and two at the 35-yard line, and Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer decide we are going to go for it against the Chiefs. We're not going to bring out a 56-yard field goal to only cut it to 10 We're going for it. And in fairness to Teddy Two Gloves, like, I know we've made Teddy Bridgewater jokes for a while, but the Broncos' offense just feels a little stagnant this year, and that's kind of what they signed up for. Like, this just gave them a better chance than Drew Locke, who committed too many turnovers and took them out of too many games. Like, say what you want about Teddy Bridgewater, but he does keep you in games even if it's seven-yard passes as an average yards per attempt. All of that to say... On this fourth and two, it was finally the time where Teddy Bridgewater did indeed make the mistake. And what Teddy Bridgewater ended up doing was throwing a tipped pass intercepted by Daniel Sorensen. That Daniel Sorensen that the Chiefs basically benched five to ten weeks ago. And their defense has been just totally changed since. It's one of those cases that happens like when Kelly Olynyk comes in or Frank Kaminsky comes in in the NBA where the entire offense just moves to attacking that one guy because you know they can't play defense. Basically what everyone was doing to the Chiefs this year is like Sorensen's in, attack Sorensen, attack Sorensen, and then eventually the Chiefs just had to take him off the field. But anyways, Sorensen gets used very strategically now and Sorensen catches the tipped interception Runs it up the field past some linemen, because Daniel Sorensen can still run a little bit, at least faster than linemen that run 5'10'40s. But anyways, so he's running up the field, and Teddy Bridgewater, who again, Teddy Bridgewater is the same guy who got clowned a couple weeks ago for just like, uh, what's it called? Olaying, olaying a, uh, a tackle on a pick six. Teddy Bridgewater says, I'm not going to do that again. And Teddy Bridgewater, unfortunately, makes himself an even bigger meme by just hitting Sorensen in the shoulder. Sorensen just bounces off the tackle and ends up five yards away from any other Bronco or Chief, thanks to Teddy Bridgewater just straight bouncing him off of a tackle. So it was, and, and by the way, Sorensen takes it back for a pick six and starts doing a Deion Sanders celebration on the way. Like, this is. All of, all of the hate, all of the shame, it's all got, we got this one moment of clap back. It's like, we did it after all the jokes, and he knows the jokes are coming after getting benched, being totally washed, we get this one clap back of Daniel Sorensen. Congratulations for the final rise of Daniel Sorensen and Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos being incapable of scoring points and Pat Shermer, who, as we've mentioned many times before, 13 years as a coordinator and head coach. The greatest quarterback he has ever had is Sam Bradford. This is not an exaggeration by any stretch of the imagination. The alternatives, I believe, if I remember correctly, are Brady Quinn, Brandon Whedon, uh, Nick Foles on the Rams, then Sam Bradford again. Oh, no, wait. Nick Foles on the Eagles, 
then getting Sam Bradford on the Eagles, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, Eli Manning at the end of his career, Daniel Jones as a rookie, and now Teddy Bridgewater again. Like It's been a really, really bad stretch for Pat Shermer and uh, the Denver Broncos' boring offense, incapable of scoring points except for the occasional field goal. And those have been the five little things here on the Memes of the Weekend. It is time for us to award once again our Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award for 2021, also known as the Memorial Philip Rivers Purgatory Award, which every single week is awarded to a quarterback who has bestowed the traits of Philip Rivers, who has lived in Philip Rivers Purgatory, which is, of course, down eight, one minute to go, no timeouts, length of the field. And we had a lot of good candidates this week. Derek Carr had 30 seconds, one timeout, down two against the Washington football team, living in that moment. Lamar Jackson went from down seven, no timeouts, 150 to go, got them down the field against Pittsburgh, scored the winning touchdown, only to miss the two-point conversion. But this week, there is one true winner, and it is the man who vanquished Kirk Cousins with 130 left to go, no timeouts, and the length of the field to go, Jared Goff for the game-winning touchdown to Amon Ross St. Brown for the first win of his career without Sean McVay. This is a real statistic. He was 0-16-1 prior to this without Sean McVay as his coach. Jared Goff gets his second Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award, of course, along with the week that him and Mason Rudolph lived for 15 consecutive minutes in Phillip Rivers Purgatory, leading to that tie. Congratulations to Jared Goff on this week's Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award. All right, so finally here, I wanted to play a fun game to close us out here, which is... I'm going to see for the first time the college football bowl schedule and what teams will be playing in randomly obscure games. I can't wait to see who's playing in the Independence Bowl down in Shreveport, Louisiana, and who has to go to Birmingham, Alabama. It's also especially funny when you have big-time programs that have to do that. So in the spirit of transparency, I know San Diego State, my boys over there, SDSU Aztecs fight, play Meep Meep UTSA this week. Uh, I did not say that correctly. Meep Meep Motherfuckers UTSA, who won the Conference USA Championship, of course, in the Frisco Bowl. I know UCF plays Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl, which is just excellent that they're putting them in a game with a funny name. Uh, Of course, UCF is going to play Florida. I know Liberty Bowl is Texas Tech and Mississippi State because everyone was calling it the, uh, the Mike Leach battle and then of course I talked about Kentucky and Iowa playing in the bowl game because I know that Blake Jude I I said it a couple weeks ago that Kentucky uh or no like five weeks ago I said Kentucky would only play Iowa in a bowl game that's where Kentucky's entire season was heading and I was absolutely correct they're playing in what is essentially the de facto seventh powers or the seventh New Year's six game in the Citrus Bowl second time in four years for Kentucky so shout out to them for pulling that off All right, so we are typing in right now college football bowl schedule. 
and punching that in. FBS schedules, shout out to them. I've been using them for years. Uh, here we are. So, first set of games. Bahamas Bowl, Middle Tennessee, Toledo, normal. The Cure Bowl, we got the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. Jamie Chadwell still has a job at Coastal Carolina. I'm saying he didn't get a better job, so they'll play the Cure Bowl, which is essentially, at this point, like a major game because you have Coastal. Uh, I don't think they won the, the Fun Belt this year. I think they finished runner-up in the Sun Belt behind Lafayette. But anyways, you have second place in the Fun Belt against the MAC champion Northern Illinois team. So they get a primetime game on that Friday. All right, who else we got here? The Roof Claim Boca Raton Bowl. Boca Bowl got a new name this year. So we got App State, Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, I think, won Conference USA. So that's like Conference USA's best team playing at 8 a.m. on the West Coast on Saturday. Congratulations to them. Um, New Mexico Bowl, Fresno. Oh, that, does that mean Utah got... Oh, that's the New Mexico Bowl. My bad. Las Vegas Bowl is the one that has... Uh, the Las Vegas Bowl is the one that has Utah State in it. Uh, BYU is playing in the Independence Bowl against UAB. That'll be a kick-ass game for them. Uh, oh, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel has a bowl game this year. I forgot about that. So Jimmy Kimmel's got Utah State against Oregon State. Oh, so I guess... Going to LA, going to the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Imagine playing in a conference, which, by the way, should have should be switching places with Pac-12 teams. Imagine being the Mountain West, and your award for winning the conference is to go play in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. You're fighting desperately all year to play in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Now, in fairness, you do get to spend the week in Los Angeles, but you're fighting aggressively hard to get the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. That is the pinnacle of your conference: is making the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, the Armed Forces Bowl. I got to get an Armed Force team in there. Army against, oh, it's our boy Eli Drinkwitz. Eli Drinkwitz for Mizzou. <laughs> Missouri, who talks shit to Florida. They get to play in the Armed Force Bowl. We're not going to play in no bum-ass Cure Bowl. Or we're not going to play in, uh, what is the one Florida and them are playing in? Oh, we're not going to play in no Gasparilla Bowl. We get to play the Armed Forces Bowl against Army. Because we're Missouri and we beat the shit out of Florida. We don't have to go to Florida. We get to go to Fort Worth, Texas. That's where we're going to play our games is at TCU Stadium. That's our celebration. We're not going to go to Florida. We're going to beat the Gators and we're going to go to Texas for our bowl game. So shout out to Mizzou. Not even the cool parts of Texas. Just the part where TCU plays. All right, what else? Uh, Gasparilla Bowl, Florida, UCF. That's hilarious. Memphis plays Hawaii. Ball State, Georgia State. Uh... Let's find some of the funny teams. Who's got a funny one? Ooh, the Birmingham Bowl. Who's got to play in Birmingham? Oh, Auburn's got to play in Birmingham against against Dana Holgerson against uh, against six a.m. dirty casino poker player Dana Holgerson and his ranked Houston Cougars. Congratulations to them. Uh, Louisville's got to play Air Force in the first responder bowl. They got to go to Dallas. <laughs> they get to play at the Cotton Bowl. Louisville's in the same boat as. Uh, as our boy Eli Drinkwitz, they get to go to Texas and play in small town Texas. Technically, Dallas is larger, but you get to play in the not cool parts of Texas. UCLA in the Holiday Bowl. I imagine I'll play, I'll go to that game. I'll be in San Diego at that time. Uh, Texas Tech plays Mississippi State in the Mike Leach Bowl. Oh, West Virginia is one of those meaningless bowl eligible teams playing in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl in Arizona against Minnesota. You get to play at a baseball stadium in Arizona. I think this is the game that used to be like the Josh Rosen Bowl in the 
the Motel 6 Bowl. So forever rest in peace to the Motel 6 Bowl. Uh, you get to play against West Virginia. <laughs> you get West Virginia and Minnesota going to Arizona for some inexplicable reason. It's got to be because the Pac-12 didn't have enough teams, right? I imagine. I don't know why West Virginia and Minnesota are going to Phoenix, Arizona. That's nice, nice break for those two places. It gets quite cold at those times. I just don't know why they're going to Arizona. Uh, let's see. The, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. Wow. They're just straight sponsored by Wasabi. I love that. Uh, Virginia against the coachless SMU pinstripe bowl, Virginia tech, Maryland. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> Clemson's playing in the cheese it bowl. <laughs> it's gotta be so hard for them to get up for that. Like Iowa state. It's like, cool. We get to play Clemson. We're going to get totally destroyed. Only if Clemson just decides, ah, we don't give a shit about the Cheez-It Bowl. That could totally happen. Clemson could totally be above the Cheez-It Bowl, and they just come out and lay a deuce. Totally possible. These things happen in bowl games all the time. Uh, Oregon and Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. The battle of teams without a coach now. Uh, that'll be fun, where you have just interim coaches and like defensive line coach coaching Oregon. That's going to be funny against Bob Stoops. That's right. I forgot Bob Stoops is coaching Oklahoma now uh, for this bowl game against Oregon. That's totally meaningless, but it's basically like the eighth New Year's Six game that's now been ruined because the coaches are gone. North Carolina, South Carolina, Duke's Mayo Bowl, geographic choice. Tennessee playing in the Music City Bowl, geographic choice. Makes sense. Peach Bowl, Michigan State against Pitt. Shout out to Pitt making it to a major bowl game this year. Las Vegas Bowl, they got upgrade this year. They, they no longer take a Mountain West team. They get Wisconsin. For a decade, the, the big victory for Mountain West was to fight for the Las Vegas Bowl. That was your pinnacle of the conference, like winning the, the MAC gets you a duel in the Cure Bowl. That's what your great victory is. Uh, Wisconsin and Arizona State, good for both of those programs. Wisconsin, quite boring this year. Wake Forest and Texas A&M, those two belong together. <laughs> Miami's playing in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, which is basically just the Frosted Flakes Sun Bowl against Wazoo. Seven and five Wazoo also without a coach. So my both those teams won't have a coach. Uh, Central Michigan, Boise, that'll be kind of interesting. Oh, they're playing in Tucson. I, oh, that's the Barstool one. I forgot. Barstool has a bowl game this year. They get Boise State against Jim McElwain, against Shark Humper Jim McElwain. If you don't know what that is, Google Jim McElwain Shark. Uh, yeah, he's the coach at Central Michigan now. He used to be the coach at Florida. Anyways, what else do we have? The Wampum Boys are going to play on New Year's Day in the Outback Bowl. I, I think I called that on one of the podcasts. I think it was the same one I was joking about uh, Kentucky and Iowa was that Arkansas was going to play in the Outback Bowl. Would have been better if they played Michigan. I'll settle for Penn State, though. Penn State's still pretty funny. Uh, then you got the Citrus Bowl. We mentioned them before. The Tax Act Texas Bowl has <laughs> Kansas State and LSU. Just a random bowl game on a Tuesday. Like, the, the college football playoff is on New Year's Day, and then there's just a random Tuesday bowl game between Kansas State and LSU at NRG Stadium. See, at least LSU... They they got that sixth win. Ed Orgeron got that sixth win just so his players could go hang out for a week in Houston. That's at least that's a slight victory. Getting to play in Houston is at least a, an ever so slight victory there. Uh, <laughs> six and six Maryland, six and six Virginia Tech. That'll be fun. The old classic ACC battle too. There's just random games in there and just the weirdest places. 
college football that when when all these teams have six wins it, it it makes for some weird games that you mix in there but anyways that's reacting to bowl games i hope you got some of the jokes out of that i was looking for anyways thank you everybody for stopping in here to the memes of the weekend podcast you can check out the full take it easy podcast lineup for last week got four more episodes coming out this week if you finish this one check out the nfl monday podcast we love each and every one of you very very much thank you for all the support you've given to this podcast. Make sure to watch Miami, Florida in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl and make sure to get up and get excited for Boston College, who was at one point 5-0 playing against East Carolina in the Military Bowl. Make sure to get excited for all of those wonderful bowl games. Take it easy, everybody. Talk to you again tomorrow or right now if you want to keep listening to the NFL Monday podcast. Regardless... Take it easy.